0: Ergonomics is the center of every good workplace. Explore how that means more than just your keyboard as experts examine health, safety, and deficiencies on the job. You're listening to Work Factors on Texas A&M Health Talk. Howdy, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of Work Factors. I'm your host, Adam Pickens. I'm here with my eternal co-host and... Well, expert for the day. You're you're an eternal expert, but I guess you're really my expert co host, Martha Parker.
1: Well, thank you. Thanks, Doctor Pickens. I am honored it's okay. to be please here. Please don't call me Adam. Okay.
0: Please don't call me Doctor Pickens. Honey. Okay, I won't call you Dr. Pickens. It's weird. Thank you, Adam. You're very
1: welcome. <laughs> thank you, Adam. And you said eternal so much, so I'm thinking I'm probably some kind of being, yeah. but really just a person, yeah. but I am really honored to be here. Maybe Thank eternal you. is not the right word. Should, <laughs>
0: should, we can edit that later. We'll edit that. So Martha is <laughs> will be my co-host moving forward, but uh, I, I've got Martha on the first episode because Martha is an ergonomist, much like myself, and I wanted to have a brief conversation with Martha about Office Ergo because that's what you did up until joining the Texas A&M Ergonomics Center. Uh, Give us a little bit of that background, if you would, please.
1: Sure, and yes, ergonomics is, um, as as you will find out as you listen to more episodes of this podcast, you'll find out it's super broad, and office ergonomics is just a piece of that overall kind of work factor balance. And office ergonomics, just like it says, takes place in, (gasps) The office. Office. I know. There it is. And um, we deal mostly with people that are working on the computer because uh, most office jobs are centered around the computer and interacting with that, whether it's um, typing or mousing or reading or um, sitting and having meetings, all of those activities that go in inside the office are things that we look at with people.
0: So you had your own company. You've done this a lot.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell you how many years. No, no, no. It's okay.
0: It matters Mm -hmm. not. We just leave it out there. Thank you. And I'm an expert. So yes, there it is. Expert. Expert. Expert (laughs) co-host. So one of the things that I always get whenever I tell people I'm an ergonomist, they always say, so you just give folks a new keyboard, right? So what is your response to that as somebody who's done thousands and thousands of office ergo evals?
1: Well, the first I have to get past the word ergonomist because they say, oh, you do like golf course grass. And I'm like, no, I'm not an agronomist. So, uh, yeah, see, people get us confused connection. with the grass. <laughs> and then they get us confused with economics and think we do money. See,
0: I've gotten that one.
1: Right? Yeah. Um, but no, we do ergonomics. Ergo is the... Greek root that means work and nomos is the study of work so that's what we study and the next question once we get past the ergonomist part is so what do you do right Right. everybody wants to know about everybody's job but they really want to know what they do and so my response to that is I help people be more productive in the office while decreasing their risk of having an injury or illness and that's really great because then their next question is okay so what do you do? Yeah. So, right? how do you go about doing how that? How do you right? do this, yeah. right? Because yeah. there's some action that has, There's a verb right. doing, right? Yeah, so, what are you doing? Getting something accomplished by right. doing this. So, I talk to people. When I go in and perform an ergonomic evaluation, say, of someone in their office, I will spend about 45 minutes with the employee and I'll find out not only about their job, what their job requirements are, what they're supposed to be doing, how they fit in an organization, but I will also find out about the person. Because the the way we work ergonomics is really looking at that interface between the person and the tools, tasks, and the environment. So you can know the tools, the tasks, and the environment, but if you don't know the person, then you really can't maximize that interface between the two of them.
0: Yeah. So yeah, that's it's... it's- great that you bring that up because that's one of the things I talk to people a lot about because even though I do office ergo historically most of my ergonomics has been in industry and so therefore I'm going out in industry and I'm watching people do their job and I'm talking to them about how they do it and things like that Um, but really it's about building that relationship and understanding how the person does their job whether you're out in industry or sitting at the office you have to understand who they are and how they accomplish their job so that you can understand how to go about helping them. That's right. Because that's really what we're in it for. You know, we want to help them, right? 100%.
1: Yeah. Um, because if the person, and this is where we go back to the kind of the, the basics of ergonomics, if the person in the office or in the industrial setting is more productive then ideally you can make some leaps that say they're going to be able to do more they're going to be able to work without having discomfort they're going to be able to do something faster or do something with less effort and so it's a bottom line positive um, but it's it's really hard sometimes to put that in in the office environment because we're all so mixed and mashed and so getting to know the person and understanding the relationship is absolutely key
0: so I, i want to come back to the how you get stuff done question but you touched on a point there that is something I run into a lot and I have run into and and I'm teaching an undergrad class right now where we're talking about ergo and eventually it's going to come to the point of making the case for ergonomics if I watch somebody lifting a hundred pound box 20 times an hour eight hours a day it doesn't take a giant leap for me to say they ought not to be doing that. Oh. oh. Uh, shocking, right? <laughs> but in the office, I think historically I've had more difficulty in the office convincing people the need for office ergonomics because somebody says, well, they're just sitting at their desk all day. What do you, how do you respond to that? Because I, I think every yeah. company innately is going to have that question. Well, they're not doing anything. Right. What do you respond to?
1: Well, and I think there are two different ways to respond to that. One is with a, with a a fit, answer.
0: <laughs> not <laughs> not like a child fit.
1: No, not like yeah. throwing a fit. Answer. <laughs> not like, dang it! Just understand what I'm doing. <laughs> not that kind of fit, but a a, a physical fit. Um, and also the second thing I would I would I would combat the how do we justify office ergonomics. Um, is I just lost it and I don't even know what it was. Wow. So I'm gonna talk about I'm the sure fit thing. I'm sure it was thing. spectacular It though. was, it was so good. We'll come back to that. Okay, so the, the fit um, argument is that if, if you can fit a person, say, in a better chair for them that actually fits and adjusts to them instead of having to force them to fit to the chair, if you can provide, say, a keyboard that fits their hands better, their finger, or the way that they type, If you can provide a mouse that fits their hand better, that allows them to do something with less pain, um, those are all fit features. If a person doesn't experience any discomfort because they're comfortable, then you can make the leap that they're going to be more productive because they're not wasting mental and physical energy on being in pain. So if I'm not in pain, I don't have to focus on the pain. I don't have to think about the pain. I just do my job. And so I get a little, I get a physical, a physical, we call that margin. There it is. So you get okay. a little bit of margin. Yes. Um, when you're not in physical pain. I'm sorry,
0: I should have helped you out on that one. I, I know. did. Well, you didn't know I where, where I was going. I didn't see where you going with it, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm,
1: Cause I'm, can't you see, it? I'm drawing a piece of paper. I know. And then over here is this. I and see like, clear
0: as a bell now. It's a margin. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so if you provide something that fits for somebody, Physically, they get a little bit of margin, but they also don't have to think about being in pain. And so they get a little mental margin. When you get mental margin, then you can do more work differently or better. To make the case for office ergonomics, we we talk about fit, which we did. The other one is productivity. There it is. So... When you look at office productivity, super hard, really really difficult That's to like measure. The holy grail. It is the holy grail yeah. of office ergonomics because think about it, if you're in an office, you do so many things. You multitask, you read email, you go to meetings, you respond to things, you work in Excel, you make some pretty spreadsheets, and then oh, you are a PowerPoint ranger, right? But what does that mean? Right. And how do we say that sitting in a meeting is not productive while typing on a computer is productive? Right. Well, typing on a computer or mousing, you could be you know, getting on some shopping website and scrolling through and picking out your groceries. Yeah. I mean, is that productive at your job? It may be, I don't know, but we're all different. We all have different job tasks. And so trying to measure that productivity is really difficult in the office go back to the fit and if you have stuff i'm going to say stuff sure. meaning all the stuff the keyboard yeah. the chair the mouse the monitor all the stuff if you have the table if you have the workstation if you have all the things that fit you well then yes we like to make the leap that you'll be more productive but that's so hard to measure unless you're doing something monotonous and repetitive now in today's environment that is those jobs are few and far between because those monotonous and repetitive things are all done by computers artificial intelligence expert systems and so people don't do those jobs anymore and that's good and bad right? right I mean it's good because we get to use our brains for something bigger and better and more creative work and we use less of our brains for the monotony and so when we talk about office ergonomics and making the case for that, we want to try to get people away from those kind of monotonous jobs and into more kind of deep thinking, or more creative roles, task. right? Yeah. And so measuring productivity is, is difficult. Well, and that was one of the things, you
0: know, we've, we as the Ergo Center have done things in the past where we try to measure productivity and, you know, we have software running in the background. It's like you mentioned, you know, it's, it's, you know, keystrokes and mouse clicks and scrolls of the mouse and all this other variables that kind of measure the background stuff. I think there are 37 of them. Yeah, I believe there are They go like every five
1: a minute or something or five a second. It's five a
0: second, I think, the software that we use. Big data. Yeah, big data. It produces a ton of data, but we're having a hard time really understanding what it means because everybody, your daily task and my daily task can be so variable. You know, I mean... It's kind of like you said. How do we know that you're mm-hmm. not scrolling around YouTube looking for a video? For me, one of one of the things that I do is I try to have a YouTube video, if possible, in class. My scrolling around YouTube technically is productive. But as I'm scrolling up and down just looking for a video that might be appropriate, <laughs> technically the software in Which the is hard to find. It's terribly hard to find. Mm-hmm. But, you know... I, one of the things that we had is we had a study here a couple of years ago that actually got some some press out of it, and it was because the work population that we had, we tried to fit them with standing desks and look at productivity changes, but the population itself was one of those that had a monotonous job. They mm-hmm. were It was a call center. Mm-hmm. So we looked it, their productivity task was very easy. How many calls did they close during the course of a day, and right. how many widgets did they sell during the course of that day? It's pretty straightforward, but you're right, those jobs are few and far between. So, as we look at making those office ergo changes, you know, it's you you mentioned kind of the pain a couple of times. One of the things that I tend to lean towards because I I do a lot of safety is the idea of moving away from kind of these lagging indicators of pain and discomfort and things like that moving into a leading indicator model so that you're right. kind of looking at potential harm, you mm-hmm. know, how do people feel about their workstation and, and a lot of survey questions <laughs> And, and uh,
1: Oh, but that's squishy It, it that is That so squishy it, It's
0: hard, you know People don't like the squishy People don't like the squishy uh-huh. stuff but uh-huh. it's real It is You know, and I, I talk to a lot of my colleagues that do a lot of this stuff and, you know, there is something to be said for that and I don't know that we apply that enough to the ergonomics model in the office you know again out in the out in the work plant people putting together widgets all day you might hear Martha laughing in the background we (laughs) had a discussion on widgets earlier today but uh you know if you're putting widgets together it's a little bit easier to have that discussion of well they might produce more widgets at the end of the day if they're more satisfied with their job if they're any one of the number Mm -hmm. of leading indicators that we could throw out there
1: well and and perceived, we talk about discomfort, and discomfort is is always perceived, right? right. You can't yeah. really yeah. objectively measure discomfort. It's right. always how you feel, yeah. right? But we don't measure a lot of perceived productivity. Right. I feel like I'm 70% more productive since I got this mouse, yeah. right? Well, I was a part of a study in a, a large organization where we um, provided employees a different kind of input device and a different kind of tool to do their job and they were uh, seismic interpreters so they were Mm -hmm. basically um if you're not familiar with the oil and gas world they were they were artists and they were drawing they were picking seismic so they were trying to find uh oil and gas in these these reservoirs of like nothing but squiggly lines. That's Mm -hmm. what it looks like from the outside. It's like colorful squiggly lines. And they were like, this is where the oil is, right? (laughs) And it's just crazy to watch them work. But we provided this tool for them and their perceived productivity was upwards of 70%. Mm -hmm. So they felt like they were that more productive when they got to use this tool and it worked perfectly for them. Well, that's great. And these people are making, you know, a hundred thousand plus a year but if you can increase their perception of their own productivity by seventy percent, that's a lot of money to the bottom line. Right. Um, but it's again, it's hard because they're not doing they're doing intellectual work, not making widgets.
0: Right. Well, and, you know, I think that's one of the things is we, we struggle a lot with that because there are studies that show the workers' perception of of their task. If it becomes more positive, then they will oftentimes be more productive. Correct, yeah. Um, but then, you know, there's the other side of that coin as well. But, you know, I think a lot of the times with this intellectual work like they were doing, is there I – mean, I, I don't know. I've, I, I've seen people do it, but I have no idea. Is there a way that you can measure? Like, do they find more oil? Do they, you know, do they do it quicker?
1: They, I, they Again, it was perception. Um, so they were up to 50% faster, 70, felt 70% more productive. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, well, we didn't run the study, of course, long enough to find out, did they did this team that was given this tool, did they actually find more stuff? Yeah. We don't know. We know that that overall group was successful. You know, they found a big reservoir yeah. of full good stuff. <laughs> but... We don't know if, like, those specific people... Don't know the people. direct correlation yeah. between the
0: the new stuff that they got. That's
1: right. So
0: how how often has it been your experience that just kind of throwing stuff at somebody? And I, I'm not saying yep. you, as, as Martha Parker, would ever just throw <laughs> stuff at somebody. But how often has it been your experience that people actually need new keyboards or a new input device like a mouse or a trackpad or something... New chair, new desk, you know, I see the desk that we're sitting at right now. It's got really square edges, and I want to change it in everything that I'm worth because it just, <laughs> it's it's a soft tissue injury waiting to happen.
1: It even looks painful. It does. My it really eyes go, oh, oh, I know.
0: <laughs> I'm just sitting here staring at it. But how oftentimes do you need a hardware change, and how oftentimes do you just need to teach people better how to use what they've got?
1: So... And that's a great question, and it's not easily answered. I know. I'm uh,
0: uh, betting a thousand. It's so
1: nice if we had yes or no's <laughs> on this stuff. Um,
0: in but your I, experience, I like. Yes.
1: Yeah, I like to think of it kind of as a continuum. So, with companies that are, like you said earlier, kind of reactive, mm-hmm. they tend to be the more stuff-oriented companies. Like I'm just going to throw some stuff at my people, and they will feel better and do better. And so. There's that. I'm brought in as a consultant. Please help us find the best stuff. And that's what we do. We do probably 80% stuff, 20% behavior change. Mm -hmm. Then as the company becomes more mature and starts looking at, okay, we know the stuff is not the end all be all. It's not gonna fix the whole problem. We gotta we gotta look at work, the tasks, and the environment, not just the tools. And so then it kind of flip-flops on the percentage of recommendations. So instead of 80-20, we flip to 20-80. So it becomes 20% product and stuff um, and 80% behavior recommendations or work modifications or how you do your job differently or habits that you can take on to make yourself a healthier person. So regardless of your environment, you're gonna do better and feel better. And so it it's it's on a continuum. And of course, there are companies that are like 50-50. Um, I always tell i used to tell my clients that if you bring me in when somebody's hurt or going out for surgery and you want to fix their workstation so that when they come back they won't have that same injury it's too late Mm -hmm. right i will do my best and i will help them and they will feel great and it hopefully won't happen again but they tend to look at it just for that individual, not for all their employees or a subset of their employees. It's just for this one person. Not not and as
0: part of an overall wellness No, it's, it's
1: a total individual, like Susie's got carpal tunnel syndrome, come in here and fix her. Well, I am not a medical professional. <laughs> I'm real clear about that. I'm your ergonomist and that's what we do. There's no blood in this. There's no 911 calls. It is. We that, hope not, anyway. No, there, as, although
0: if you sit at this desk long enough, you might. You might. There might be some blood <laughs> yeah. involved.
1: Sorry. It's probably just a quick stab to the yeah. chest. Please don't <laughs> make me do it anymore. Uh, I'm
0: thinking more. Uh, never mind. Sorry. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a, a difficult question to answer, Adam. But I think it's a, it's not, it's along a continuum. But very rarely do I not make some sort of product recommendation there's well, usually always because the tools are always changing I mean right. there's always different ways to interact and you know I've worked with um, disabled people that don't have hands or arms or legs or um, they have low vision so mm. what are we going to do for them
0: yeah well and I you know I think I think a lot of the studies in Ergo kind of will play out to that the percentages might be a little bit different but mm-hmm. I, I would totally agree with you that you know if I think every study that I've ever read on Ergo in the office says if you just come throw stuff at people and run out the door, <laughs> your likelihood of success is really, really low. But oh, if you horrible. go in and you know, you have the training that goes along with mm-hmm. it and investment in the individual rather than just investment in the equipment. That's right. You're you're gonna have a maybe not a, a home run success every time, but you're gonna have a much higher rate of success.
1: Well and and to your point earlier about how What we do at the very beginning or uh, what we do when we do office ergonomics is develop that relationship with somebody. So when we do introduce a new piece of equipment, if I teach you how to use it, you're going to use it. You really are. And especially if I stand there and help you understand it and watch you and give you some feedback and some tips, you're going to be much more likely to uptake the use of that piece of equipment, even though it's new and uncomfortable and awkward, than if I just threw it at you and turn around and walk away. And so that developing that relationship is absolutely key. And you, we can't forget about the person.
0: Right. Well, and you know, I think, I think a lot of what you're saying there kind of plays out in some of the newer studies that we're doing, which we will have on a later podcast with Dr. Mark Benden. Um, you, know, you gonna imp- call him Dr. Bendon? I, I will call him Dr. Mark Benden okay. right now. Okay. But then we'll see how it plays out later. <laughs> Just checking. Um, but with you know, Dr. Benden has been kind of on the forefront of the standing desk and and changing from a sit stand to a seated workstation, all this other stuff. And so, you know, we've I've been on a number of studies with him and one of the things that we see kind of what you're talking about to your point is the adoption phases. That's right. You know, essentially what we'll mm-hmm. call it we'll put somebody in a new standing desk and we'll watch kind of how frequently they can change because we have some software that can monitor that within the first six weeks, Mm -hmm. man, they love it. Mm -hmm.
1: Up and down, up and and down, down.
0: up and down down. all the time. Uh, Well, I say all the time, but
1: (laughs) at least three or four times a day.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then they'll, they'll average out to about half a time a day. Mm -hmm. You know, they will change once every two days over the course of, you know, a few months. And so, you know there's some intervention methods that have come out of those studies and so you know i think what you're saying is this investment in the people in the office ergo mm-hmm. you know you've got to you've got to invest in more than just the equipment that's right because they're the ones adopting it you know you as the as the consultant ergonomist may come in and say here's what you got to do and oh yeah by the way tomorrow i'm out of here right you know and so it it, it goes back to a lot of the the tenants of <laughs> good safety models and good ergo programs you got to have company buy-in That's you right. know you got to have management buy-in so you know on an office ergo situation you can't have somebody that comes in like you as the ergonomist and says I need you to do these things differently and I need to use I need you to use this equipment because it'll help you feel better and it will ease this pain or ease this potential for for future entry on you and then they go into their supervisor's office and they see them using, whatever cheap piece of junk came with it right and you know they say well why am I the one doing this you know and so I think you have to combat a lot of that to get the overall success of the program up and running
1: and one of the one of the best things I did and it took me a long time to kind of get the guts to do it was I would have a client who would call me please can you come evaluate this group of people they really need help they're starting a new project and you know we really want to make sure they are set up from the get-go great no problem and I I would put it in my contracts that you actually had to do what I said. Like wow. you had to you you had to make an honest effort to buy different pieces of equipment if I recommended it. And if, if I could do a good better best approach or mm. something along that for budgetary purposes. But if you were calling me in just to write a report and do an evaluation for employees so that you could say it was done, mm. I didn't do that. Right. I, I made I made that company commit. To following through with my this action plan. This is the first
0: time I've ever heard anybody actually doing that in a contract. It
1: was, it was great. And so there were companies that said, well, no, I don't. And I was like, mm, then I'm not your ergonomist. Thank you. Go somewhere else. They just and wanted a box to be they checked. They did. They wanted a box to be checked. Like they did their best as company A to mm-hmm. service this employee who was having problems or this group of employees. Look what huh. we did. We're so great. And I said, no, I'm not going to work for you.
0: That's and interesting. And
1: it was it was really nerve-wracking like the first time I did it I was like oh my gosh because that's money out the door and I'm a consultant and I don't get paid if I don't work and it was terrible but the level of good that I felt was immeasurable because I knew I'd done the right thing I mean those yeah those employees may not have thought I did the right thing because they didn't get any help but I knew I did the right thing for for my current and future clients too because I was I was making my reputation better mm-hmm. um, instead of degrading it by coming in and just throwing equipment at somebody or not following up or not having the company support my recommendations.
0: Well, and I think I I think this is an interesting point to kind of sum up here. I You know, I think one of the things that we as ergonomists, I don't want to say get a bad rap for, but, you know, I think sometimes people think ergonomists just want to come in and buy new equipment and run out the door. Yeah. You know, and, and that's really not what we want to do. You know, we want to, to impact change on people. And, mm-hmm. you know, that that helps us if we can see somebody that's affected by the work that we've done. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, do, do, you, do you have any times where you went back oh. and you saw somebody and you were like, yep, we got that one right?
1: Oh, the best. Absolutely the best. I've worked with, um, you know, I had, and it goes back to the developing relationships. One of the best stories was I was helping this woman, and she had been a an employee at this company for like twenty five years, and um, her husband had retired, and so he was at home and kind of driving her crazy, and so she was using work as an escape to kind of get away from him. Right. And uh, and so she would come to work, but you know <laughs> she would overwork and wouldn't take breaks and wouldn't do all the stuff. And so I I would I made her put it on her calendar that you know every Every day at 10 o'clock, she took a 10-minute walk. And every day at 2.15, she took a 15-minute walk. And it didn't matter where she went. But it was like a standing appointment on her calendar. And she invited me. And so sometimes I would meet her, depending if I was on on site that day. And we did that for a year. But because I had met her so many times just walking around, mm-hmm. her her daughter had just started driving. She was 15 and a half I think So she was practicing Her driving skills And this woman comes We meet in the hallway We're going to do Our 10 minute walk And she's got big Tear stains Down her cheeks And I said You know What's wrong And she goes I really need your help. And I was like, oh, my gosh, ergonomic emergency. Yeah. I'm right here. Let me get my cape. And it wasn't that at all. She was like, "Her my daughter has started driving, and it's making me crazy. And she drives to school, and then she drives me to work and drives me off, and I just can't do it, and it's so terrible. Will you please drive with my daughter? And I was like, ugh. Oh.
0: Was that in your contract? It was not in my contract, oh, okay. but
1: it was the personal relationship. Right. But the level of her stress. So I did actually meet her daughter a couple weekends, and we drove around. But the level of stress that went down when she didn't have to be the only one who drove with her daughter because Dad refused to, that her work was better. Mm. And I thought, oh, that was the right decision. Yeah. That was a right decision for me to drive around the mall parking lot with her daughter to take that level of stress off. So that she could do her job better with less pain. Now, that's an extreme example, and we're I not understand. advocating that not. all
0: ergonomists go drive around with teenage girls. <laughs> no, uh, no, that matter of bad. fact, I might get arrested for that <laughs> yeah, one. But, yeah, don't do it. Uh, it's I bad. don't recommend doing that. <laughs>
1: yeah. so. But having an impact... There's a, bigger,
0: there's a bigger story to be told here.
1: <laughs> That's right. Having an impact in people's lives is something that is truly rewarding and did happen just about every day. And you'd get in the car and you'd go, man, I really did it today. When people didn't know, for instance, that mycin came in different sizes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I said, oh, you've got a really tiny hand. We need to get you a, a little baby mouse. Mm-hmm. And they were like, What? And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just get you a little one.
0: It's not just the one that comes with my computer. No. Those aren't the, they those have ones sizes. The...
1: Or the lefties who like didn't know that you could switch the button on a mouse and move it over to the left. When I'm and a make...
0: lefty and I've got a trackpad <laughs> yeah. and I use my left hand. And I had some students come in the other day and they said, Oh my gosh,
1: you're using your left hand. That's right. And I said, Yeah. It's life changing. It's life changing. And and it's it's little pieces of life right. changing. But if you add enough of those pieces up, then you you do change somebody's life for the yeah. better. And it's it's really good to be a part of.
0: Well and that's what I always tell the students is as an ergonomist or a safety professional, you're selling something innately. One hundred percent. You're selling everybody. It's, in it's not just ergonomists. Yeah.
1: Or safety professionals. It's everybody. That's Everybody's true. selling something. They're selling their time. They're selling their knowledge. They're selling their expertise. Yeah. They're selling a product or a widget or an experience. Well, yeah. and
0: that's you know, and that's just it. And in in this world of office ergo, I think a lot of the times, I think my saying applies. I tell the students, you're selling something, mm-hmm. and if they're not buying it. You need to sell it a different way. That's right. You know, because you know you're doing the right thing for these people. Mm -hmm. It's just, I think we come full circle and a lot of people don't understand the role of the ergonomist in office ergo. You know, they, they kind of have a vague generality of what we might do, but really it's, we're there to make a change. Right. For the better.
1: Right. When we're not just problem solvers. You know, right. we, we get brought in on, on the reactive side to be the problem solver. Here, solve this problem, right? But but what really, at least to me, makes my day better as an ergonomist is when I can get on the front side yeah. and, and really work with people so that they don't even get to the point where they're in discomfort yeah. or they feel like they're not doing their job better. They're, they come to me and say, I want to do my job better. What can I do? Mm-hmm. And so I've got a long list of stuff for them to try and it's that part's super cool and if you if you approach ergonomics as a problem solver you're going to get stuck mm-hmm. i mean you just there are only so many problems you can solve and you don't want to create problems because that makes you a hurricane and yeah. that's not good you don't want that either but you do want to be responsive when someone comes to you in a proactive way and se- and says "Hey, can you help me yeah because no one likes to say no To the question of, can you help me? Right. Right? We all, we're all altruistic enough to be able to, to, to answer that question. Even you, I know. Can you help me? No, I was, (laughs) I
0: was big eyeing you on altruistic.
1: I know, big word. I know. You were all altruistic enough to be able to say, sure, I'll help you. And if you can't help, you'll figure out a way or you'll find somebody who can. And, and that's the, the proactive part of being an ergonomist and helping people be better, work better be more productive without pain.
0: Excellent. All right. Well, that is our first episode. Thank you very much, Martha. I look forward to you being a co-host with me in future episodes, but I thank you for serving as as expert this first episode.
1: You're welcome. All Thanks, right. Adam.
0: Thank you, everybody, for listening to Work Factors.
1: See you next episode.
0: Thank you for joining us on Texas A&M Health Talk, a production of the Texas A&M University Health Science Center. Visit us on the web at vitalrecord.tamhsc.edu, where you'll find answers to all of your health questions. Until next time, stay healthy.